This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. Today we're talking about breach assessments with Harry Rhodes of the American Health Information Management Association. Thanks for joining us, Harry. Glad to be here, Howard. Now, for starters, can you briefly describe the harm standard in interim final breach notification rules so people have that baseline? Okay. Uh, the uh, provisions of the uh, breach notification and interim final rules say that when you do have a security incident, uh, before you determine whether or not it is a reportable uh, incident that requires a breach notification, you have to do a risk of harm assessment. And so you have to use a forensic mechanism to determine whether or not the incident actually resulted in a financial, reputational, or other type of harm to the individual. And if it does, then you proceed with the breach notification process to notify the individual and the secretary of HHS. Can you highlight for us just a few of the key steps healthcare organizations should take to make sure they're doing an adequate assessment of the risk of harm after a breach incident and are complying with the rules requirements? What are some of the key things? One of the biggest key things is that the breach notification process and the risk of harm assessment tool is part of a, a, a more complete security uh, governance and compliance um, model for your organization. So you already need to have a, a process in place that you're monitoring and auditing for the potential of, of a security breach. A lot of times what you find out is that people don't even realize that, the, that a breach has occurred because they're not doing uh, the forensic investigation, they're not doing the auditing. So that, that's the first thing you have to have in place. And then once you discover that, that a security incident has occurred, then you need to have some sort of a formal process that, that includes uh, formal documentation and the documentation has to be consistent because you, you're going to need to keep this documentation and you need to rely on it as you go forward in dealing with the breach and, and responding to it and also later on should you ever get audited you, you're going to need to recall the information and, and yeah, it, it could be years afterwards that, that the incident come up again and also you need to use this documentation for educational purposes and developing your policies and procedures and, and refining your actions so, so you need to have a, a formal mechanism tool and then it's really important to have some sort of a, a risk assessment ranking so that so you can determine whether or not this was uh, an accidental, unintentional breach, or whether it, whether, uh, it was curiosity, or, or whether it was deliberate, or, or whether, whether it was motivated by financial gain. And you know, each one of those, those things were, are worse than the next, and you need to have some sort of a mechanism that, so when you're looking at this, you're not just going on your gut reaction, because this, you know, being involved in a security incident and responding to a, a breach and determining the risk of harm is a very emotional process and uh, you know everybody's really upset about it people don't want to talk about it they wish it would go away and and so there's a lot of emotion there and you need to have something that gives you a formal grounded repeatable process and, and a, a logical way to move through it so you're not just responding to it because there's been lots of incidences where an emotional response or an immediate response or a rushed response backfires on the organization and then you're in a bigger mess than you were before. I understand there's some tools available to help with all this that people can take advantage of that are available for free. Can you pick out a couple for us that might be helpful? There's quite a few of them out there, but two of them that I'm familiar with because I'm familiar with the individuals that are involved in it are the uh, Inchika tool. The Inchika tool is very much like what that 
tool I was describing to you before, there, there is a formal process, there, there's a, a formal form for documenting, it's, it's a standardized form and, and it's, it's objective as, as possible and, and you know, it, it's repeatable and, and it, it, there isn't a lot of subjective in there, it's, it's very straightforward, there, there's a, a, a checklist, uh, there's a flowchart, and, and also there's a, there's a metric, uh, they're usually a three-level metric, so you can determine uh, what level of the incident was involved. It was was it an unintentional accident? Was it curiosity? Was was it intentional for, for gain? And, and it's it's a really great tool. And there's a lot of other uh, resources there as as well. And then the other one that uh, I'm, I'm familiar with um, because I know people are working on it is the uh, the HIPAA Collaborative of Wisconsin or the HIPAA Cow. This one is is even more detailed. It has has many of the same things you find at the Inchica site. You know, there, there's there's documentation forms. There's a checklist. There's a, a flowchart for the process. There's, there's a ranking system. But in addition to that, what you find at out at the HIPAA Cow site is there's actually some. Uh, model breaches can, and, and the idea there is that you can, you can learn from people's other people's mistakes before you there's some model letters there, there's you know some uh, talking points when you were talking to the media uh, model letter to the media uh, talking points when you're talking to the patient so it uh, Hippocow one is has got the the tools plus also a whole lot of other resources that are available uh, so both of those are really a great place to go to start if you're, if you're you know if you're trying to refine your policies or procedures or, or if you're trying to develop them do you expect the final version of the breach notification rule, which is still pending, will wind up modifying, clarifying, or even eliminating the harm standard? I really hope not, because we, one of the things we did at HIMA is we looked at the, the 44 states that have state laws that you have to report a, a business record breach, electronic business record breach. And in the majority of those states, uh, what happens is that you, you identify that you had a security incident or a security breach, and then you, you immediately contact the Attorney General's office, or the state police, or, or the state health department, and then they actually do the forensic investigation to determine what level of harm is. And the, what concerns me about that is that you lose control of the assessment, you you lose control of the forensic things, and you're counting on somebody else who is an outsider looking in at your organization to uh, tell you whether or not you've had a, a breach, and here's what you're going to do about it. Whereas what I like about the uh, the risk of harm assessment is that you're looking at yourself, you know, you're looking at your own soul, you know, you're looking at what your organization does, you know, and you, you know what your problems are, you know what your weak areas are, and, and if you don't know, the, going through the assessment process helps you to define that and, and uh, understand that, and, and it actually helps you to improve, and then you determine whether or not the breach uh, harm the patient financially, or reputationally, or otherwise. And so I, I think that keeping it in the organization uh, having you go through the assessment process is, is, is really healthy and it improves your, uh, your security uh, uh, governance and safeguards and compliance process within your organization. Do you think the harm standard needs to be clarified at all to make it more clear? When I go around the country and I talk to a lot of people that are trying to do this, they, they would like to have guidance. There's, there's always, whenever there's some new uh, legislation or new regulation, people always you know, just tell me what to do. There are people out there that, uh, that would like some guidance. They're very concerned because uh, they, they may have a process in place and they, they may be going through and documenting the process. They may have tools and assessments and rankings and flowcharts, but are they documenting enough? Are, are they doing enough? Are they doing the right thing? And is are, are they over-reporting and the guy down the street's under-reporting? Uh, are, are they going to spend years and years 
doing these risk of harm assessments and documenting them all, and then uh, one day they, they get audited uh, for whatever reason by the state or the federal government, and they find out that they've been doing it wrong all these years, uh, that, that you know, they've been leaving out a step that, that someone else thinks is important, but they may have thought wasn't as important. So I, I would like to see the OCR send out some more guidance. I mean, they uh, back when HIPAA privacy rule uh, first came out, they had all of those guidances that were available on the OCR site where you could go out there and look at a lot of the provisions of the HIPAA privacy rule, and you can get a better idea of what the expectation was. And I, I think I would like to see OCR do that same thing on their website, g give you some expectations of you know, what you should be doing with the risk of harm assessment. Because there's uncertainty over potential changes in the final version of the breach notification rule, uh, does that affect or should it affect your breach assessment strategy in the interim, or do you need to be pushing ahead? Uh, the the interim uh, final rule is still in effect. You still have to uh, comply with it. Uh, you, you don't. You can't sit around and wait until uh, it goes final. I mean, your, your organization is having breaches right now, and you, you need to deal with those breaches. You have state laws that you have to answer for uh, breaches for. And uh, right now, there's only like three states that require reporting for uh, health, protected health information. But if you look at what happened last time, California was the first state to come out with the breach notification law, and then the other uh, 43 states followed them. It won't be long before uh, the rest of the, the states will also be requiring you to um, report uh, protected health information breaches as well. So I, I don't think you can wait. I, I think that you need to get started now because if not, you're going to be uh, behind the curve, you know, trying to catch up. Uh, there are people out there that are they're just not going to do anything, and, and they, they're just going okay, uh, to wait and see. I've, I've spoken to some of them, and I, I try to make them see the light that they need to get started now, but you know, there are people who think that the whole thing just might go away, uh, you know. Right. <laughs> so, you know, but you know, my advice is there's an obligation that's in the HIPAA security rule right now that you investigate and mitigate breaches and document breaches and, and what your response is. So there already is a, a HIPAA requirement that you do something waiting for the uh, breach notification final rule is, is, you know, unnecessary. Very good. Well, thanks, Harry. We've been talking today with Harry Rhodes of AHIMA. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.